We have two readings this morning. First will be from uh, the Old Testament, and the second one will be from New Testament. The first reading is from Genesis chapter 15, and that can be found in the Church Bibles on the page 15. Genesis chapter 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. I'm your very great reward. But Abram said, Severing our Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them, there, count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as a righteousness. He also said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of, of Ur to, of Jardilus, of, to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I shall gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all this to him, cut them in two, and arranged the heifers opposite each other, the birds However, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and ill-treated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with a great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking brazier with a blazing torch approached and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, to your descendants I give you this land, from this widey of Egypt 
to the great river of Euphrates, the land of the Canaanites, Canazites, Cadmites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Kashishites, and Jebusites. And the second reading is from Galatians chapter 3, verse 6 to 9. And that can be found on the church Bibles 1169. Galatians chapter 3, verse 6 to 9. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Amen. Um, it'd probably be a help if you take hold of a, a Bible again, turn back to page 15. Easy to find this reading we had from, from Genesis. Uh, there's been some big announcements uh, recently. Uh, Twitter changing its logo. Have you noticed that? If you've got it on your phone, the little bird is gone, the X has replaced it. Uh, there's Barbie, the must-see film. Has anyone seen it? A few of you... And I'm very excited. Did you dress up in pink to go into it? Yes, some of you did. Um, look, if anyone, can I, can I say, if anyone managed to avoid discovering that there was a Barbie film, tell me how you did that. Uh, because the announcements have been everywhere, haven't they? they? They're really good. These people know how to do announcements. They're global. And over the summer, on our Sunday mornings, we're, we're looking at an announcement too, but this one's about God's saving plan for the world, what the Bible calls the gospel or the good news. Uh, we heard last week, it doesn't just appear when you get to the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, in our second reading, it said it like this, God announced the gospel in advance. He's talking about uh, our reading that we've just had this morning. It's in the Old Testament. What was God's announcement strategy? Well, if you read Genesis, his announcement strategy was he told a 75-year-old man in the Middle East about it. Barbie and Twitter uh, seem to do better than God at announcements, don't they? And yet here we are in Cambridge in 2023, thousands and thousands of years later, and you today are hearing this announcement again. It's worth pondering, isn't it? Uh, do you remember if you were here last week, we, we heard uh, the, the initial announcement in, in a way into a world that is spoiled in so many ways by sin. God announces good news to this man, Abraham, who will later be called Abraham. And God said this, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and all people on earth will be blessed through you. In the story of the Bible, it's a change of direction. 
Uh, the Bible has described humanity's direction of travel. We're progressing. We often progress, but we're always going away from God, and, and sin shapes everything we do. It brings misery and eventually God's judgment. But God announced a plan to reverse that. And it's not something we fix. It's something God says, I will do. Abraham trusted God. He set out to follow him. Uh, but it's not been easy. If you were to go back and read between chapter 12 and chapter 15, chapters 13 and 14, uh, you'll find this family fighting and finances are all points of pressure for Abraham. And you could say in all sorts of ways that his life felt unsafe and unsatisfying. And by chapter 15, his faith is wobbly. The verse 1 of chapter 15, God comes to him in a vision. But it's not a vision to see something. It's a vision to hear something. You see what he says. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. And you hear what God's doing. He's speaking to the wobbles. Uh, you feel unsafe, unsatisfied. I know that life is frightening. But what you need to know, Abraham, is not so much how the future will work out, but who will work out the future. I am your shield, your very great reward. Do you have wobbles? Do you ever feel that life kind of feels unsafe or unsatisfying? Do you ever feel that? Maybe you feel that in some way this morning. Maybe you've felt, even as you're here, life feels unsafe, un unsatisfying. Maybe you're recently back at church. Maybe you've only recently come back, started coming along to, to church again. And maybe perhaps this morning you think, really what's going on is you've come to church uh, you've decided to come along, but what if it's the other way around? What if, like Abraham, actually this morning, whatever you think you were doing, the word of the Lord has come to you? That would be a thought, wouldn't it? You're here this morning. You think it's, it's really the main person who's acting in your situation is you. You come here, but what if it's this way around? Like Abraham found, the word of the Lord has come to you. Uh, back to Abraham, uh, God's intervention. It brings two questions from him, and God's response tells us something about this, this gospel, this good news that's been announced. He, here's the first thing. Look, uh, with the gospel, you get what God promises by faith alone. Abraham, in our reading, seems troubled because God's promised blessing, it spoke of a new family, of a new home to live in, being right with God, hope for the whole world. Being right with God. Things going well. Somebody already said to me this morning, I said, how are you doing? They said, oh, okay, it's, it's everything else that's the problem. It can feel like that. And Abraham knew God had made a promise that was for the whole world. And Abraham says, verse 2, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And he's not saying, I won't trust you. He's asking, how can this happen? I'm an old man. I don't have any children. How can your promises come true? In verses 4 and 5, God expands the details of the promise and he enlarges the view. Verse 4, 
got it there in front of you. He says, I will provide a son coming from your own body. You will have a son, Abraham. Verse 5, this new family I've promised is going to be big, be really big. You've been out somewhere, away from the city lights on a, on a clear evening and looked up at our stars. You've done that? I'm sure you have. You, you get away from the lights of the city and you look up and if it's a clear, crisp night, you see the stars are a Milky Way, they reckon. A Milky Way has between 100 and 400 billion stars. Uh, not quite sure how many, so give or take 300 billion. You, you know how it works when you're estimating that kind of size. So many thoughts you can have as you look up at them, isn't there? You find yourself doing that, just seeing the, the utter size of the sky. You feel tiny, don't you? And you look up at it, the vastness of it, uh, the beauty of it. You can be thinking about all those things. I think we're also meant to ask, look, uh, where do they come from? Where do things like that come from? It, there's things in life that do that for us, don't you? You, you see them and you, you think, where, where, where does that come from? Uh, Sohan and Sharul, uh, who are part of our church family, they've just had a, a little baby. And I went around to see them the other day and I, I saw uh, little Shalom and I, I saw her there lying in her little bed. And you think, where, where have you come from? And look, in case you're wondering, I know where babies come from. <laughs> I, I, I get that. But even knowing that, it doesn't answer it, does it? A whole new person has arrived. Someone who's going to grow and think and talk and walk and do all sorts of things, play music. Where, where have you come from? Things in life capture us that way. Or you look up at the stars and you're, you're meant to ask, where do they come from? Who could make all of that? And if they can make all of that, what kind of, what kind of power must they have compared with me? What's God doing with Abraham? He's not just giving mere facts about future family size. He's wanting to remind him. He's wanting to remind him about the power that stands behind the promise. Abraham doesn't say anything. Do you notice that? But we're told what's going on inside. Verse 6, Abraham believed the Lord. Always the right response. Uh, Abraham's an example to us. It's a funny line, though, isn't it? Where it says, Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Uh, righteousness is, is normally linked with an activity, something that you do, right things that you do. But this says, Abraham has found himself declared righteous by God, not by doing anything, but by faith in what God says he will do. Uh, when it's eventually done, it will be God that's done it. When you begin to get this, you're getting close to the heart of what's being announced as the gospel. Some people have put it like this. Uh, they put it this kind of way. Religion says do. Here's all the things you need to do. If you want to get right with God, if you, if you want to find the good life, here's all the things you need to do. But the gospel says done. Here's what God's done so you can be right with him, so you can receive the good life. Trust his promise, and God will put you in the right. He will credit you with a righteousness that is not your own. You've not done it. God will relate to you as if you've done what that perfectly righteous life deserves. And that's what Abraham's doing. And that's what Abraham's receiving. 
if you want to make sure you understand the gospel, the good news, you, you've got to get your head around this. You, you, get God's prom- you get what God's promised by faith alone. Here's the second thing, though, we get from this story about the gospel. That God says he'll die before breaking his promise. Uh, you continue reading on in this chapter. In verse 6, while Abraham's silent, God is still speaking. He's speaking about the, the new home and the new family. And, and Abraham asks his next question. He says, look, how can I know? How can I know I'll get this? Uh, it's worth noting how uh, God responds no suggestion God thinks it's a wrong question. The, the sense of Abraham's request is, look, God, can you give me anything that will encourage my faith? And God says, well, get this, think about it. God says, yes, I can give you something. And you read through chapter, uh, verses 9 to 21, there's lots going on. There's, there's animals cut in pieces. Did you notice that? There's, there's predictions about future suffering. There's a, a kind of solemn procession that takes place. And we're told what's happening, verse 18. Just have a look at it. Look down at your Bible now if you've got it open in front of you. Uh, verse 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. Now remember the context. Abraham said, can you give me something to, to help me know you mean this? And God says, I will bind myself in a covenant with you. We rarely talk about covenants. So they don't come up uh, very often. We're much more used to talking about contracts. You, you hear contracts in all sorts of ways. Contracts work in a certain way, don't they? The goal of a contract is agreeing payment for services. That's usually what's going on in contracts. And you can usually find a way to break it if the penalty for, for breaking the, the contract is less than you think you'll you get for staying in. People can break the contracts at that point. You see it in football, don't you? So... You know, this guy, Mbappe, you know, a football team will say, look, if you play for our team, we'll pay you a reasonable small amount, something like 150 million pounds a year to, to play for us. Although I think he's been offered 259 million pounds to go and play for another team. But that's the way it goes, isn't it, with contracts? If another team you prefer, you'd prefer to play for pays enough money, we can break the contract. It's not personal, a contract, it's business. Covenants are different. The goal of a covenant is, is relational commitment. If you want a sense of it in popular culture, you could try watching Avengers Endgame. You seen that film? If you want an idea of covenant, you could try watching that. And if you've, if you've watched it and thought, well, I don't remember any covenant being made in that film, well, it's something like this. If you've not seen it, let me explain. The baddie in it is Thanos, and like all baddies, he's planning to wipe out everyone. He's planning to wipe out half the universe. And the Avengers plan to stop him, and they commit to it with the solemn words. If you've seen the film, you'll know it was on the advertising for it. The solemn words, whatever it takes. That's what they say. We're going to do this, whatever it takes. That, whatever it takes, that is more like a covenant. It's saying there is no get-out clause for us. There will be no point where, where I duck out whatever it takes. Now, keep that in mind and come back to this passage from Genesis because I, I wonder if you realize just how incredible this is. What God was announcing Almighty God, the creator of everything, seen and unseen, instead of demanding something from this man, he is committing himself to him, whatever it takes. That's what he's saying. 
And do you understand the visuals of this? Those, those cut-up animals, uh, that, was, that was like the symbol, if you like, of, of the covenant promises they were making. Both parties in the covenant would walk between the cut-up pieces as a way of saying, if we break the covenant, what happened to the animals will happen to us. There's no get-out clause. We're in this, whatever it takes. And if the covenant is broken, we will pay with our lives. That's what's being said. I mean, that would be staggering enough for God to commit to that until you realize what happened. Verse 12, have a look at it. Abraham falls into a deep sleep. There's a dreadful darkness. God speaks about really terrible times to come. We don't have time for for that this morning. There's lots in it. But when you get to verse 17, do you notice this as we read it? Strange thing. It's only the Lord who appears. Symbolically, as a, as a smoking kind of fire pot and a, a blazing torch, it's only Him that passes between the pieces of the animals. It's only Him who's committing His life in order to keep this covenant. This covenant God's making, it is with Abraham, but not just with Him, it's with everyone who's going to be part of His family, who according to God will be drawn from the whole world. And God's saying, in order to save people from the misery and judgment that sin always brings, in order to secure new life under my blessing, I will be the only one who fulfills the covenant promise. If either of us breaks the conditions, I will bear the penalty alone, whatever it takes, and I will die rather than break that promise. What kind of family has Benjamin Dent been baptized into? Is it one that is founded on a contract where if he delivers enough, he can expect something back? Or is it one that is founded on covenant where someone has committed to him whatever it takes? And you know, I've met Christians who seem to live the Christian life as if they're in a contract with God. They kind of live life that way, as if it's kind of some kind of contract they've got with God. And the, uh, the way you kind of see it is because there, uh, there's either a, a sense of ongoing anxiety before God or a sense of frustration with God. Uh, the anxious Christian is usually because they feel crushed trying to keep what they think is their side of the contract. And when they sin, instead of coming humbly to God and asking for the forgiveness and help that they need, what they start to think is, I've got to perform better if I'm going to be secure with God. And you can never do that. So there's always a sense of anxiety with God. So the Christian life has no peace. And the frustrated Christians are, are those who think, no, it's God who's let me down. Life's harder than expected. They've committed to God. They, they won't say it this way, but the, the feeling is he's not delivering for me. And so the Christian life has no joy. In my experience, the, the problem with both is the same. They've not yet grasped just how deep sin goes. We could never keep our side of the contract with God. And they've not really yet fully comprehended what God has done for them. He has covenanted to them. 
And even if this life leads through suffering, God will give his life to secure theirs. Do you know that old hymn by William Cooper? The opening verse is like this. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps on the sea and rides upon the storm. Christian life is not always easy. It goes through storms, the, uh, the course that, uh, that God leads you through. Abraham knew that. Maybe you know that in your own life experience at the moment. But, but Cowper continues in this way, and he says, Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Abraham's life continued. Uh, the promised son is born. He's called Isaac, if you read on. I, I wonder if his, Isaac grew. He ever had a conversation with his dad the, the way uh, children and, and parents sometimes do. I wonder if he asked his dad, Dad, what, why do you follow God? I wonder if Abraham ever said, well, he made amazing promises. A new life of blessing for us and for the whole world. We, we don't deserve it. Isaac, I certainly don't deserve it, but he said he would, he would give me and all who trust him a righteousness from somewhere else. Imagine Isaac saying, look, where would he get that righteousness to give to us? There isn't anyone like that. Where, where would he get that kind of righteousness from? I don't know, son, but he promised he would. But dad, look, why do you trust his promise? Maybe Abraham said, well, for a start, there's you. Now, we were too old for children, but God promised we would have a son, and, and here you are. And he also said that for the rest of his promise, he would do whatever it takes. God made a covenant with me. Imagine a conversation like this. Abraham says, God made a covenant with me that he'd die rather than break his promise to me. Can you imagine Isaac stopping in his tracks at that point and saying to his dad, but dad, what did God mean? How could God die for us? How could he do that? I don't really know, son. It is a terrifying thought. But if he needs to do that, the good news is we can trust him to find a way. You and I, of course, know a little more than Abraham did. We, we look back at this story and we understand, don't we, what is being announced. The word of the Lord came with a commitment to lay his life down to save people. The promise that if you trust him alone, he will give you a righteousness that is not your own that will be enough. And at that point, as you begin to read this story and think about it, at that point, you realize there is no such thing as the gospel. There is no such thing as the good news. There is no such thing as the gospel in, in the sense of being some kind of standalone idea, an abstract idea out there, information that we read and agree to. No, what there is is Jesus Christ. He himself is the good news. He lived a righteous life, but if you trust him, God will give his righteousness to you. We've not lived God's way, but God covenanted whatever it takes. 
And at the cross, Jesus fulfilled the covenant. When Paul says the good news was announced in advance, what he means is Jesus was announced in advance. And he is being announced again to you this morning. Jesus is the good news. Put your faith in him and live your life within his covenant.